Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. I could do every day, but um, it was like I stumbled upon this in Psalms. So if we can just read this one. Um, it's, uh, it's there. Aaron's working hard back there because for some reason our programming thing decides it only wants to do King James Version and we're just not doing that because <laughs> Shakespeare ain't here. <laughs> so it says, hallelujah, praise the Lord. This was my song. And it says, my innermost being will praise you, Lord. I will spend my life praising you and singing high praises to you, my God, every day of my life. And this was the part that jumped out at me. And because sometimes when you're reading, you know, we say, we gotta, sometimes oh, i got to read this whole huge passage. No, you don't. You have to read what jumps out at you, what God resonates in your spirit. Sometimes you, you need to just mull on that and chew on that. And for us, for me, it was, this was something that jumped out at me. He says, we can never look to men for help, no matter who they are. When it says men, it means people, Right? All the women said, no. <laughs> um, no matter who they are, they can't save us. For even our great leaders fall, fail and fall. They too are just mortals who will one day die. At death, the spirits will all depart and their bodies return to dust. In the day of their death, all their projects and plans are over. So I love how God puts perspective into things. So he's showing me, look, man has plans, man has ways, and they work, but they're temporary. They are up and down. They will they'll fluctuate, and in the end, they, they go. Even government systems, or I'm dependent on the system. Don't depend on that system. They're flawed at best. Why? Because man put his hands on it. Mankind put his, their hands on it. Anything man touches, and I, I was looking at this during my whole holiday because, you know, you're at a resort, and they're making money off of God's creation. This beautiful breach God made, right? Sunsets, sunrises, the ocean. The way, they're, they're making money on it. God created it. Man touched it. Let's monopolize on it. Let's get rich on it. Let's, let's become selfish. And there's, you've got these contrasts that are there. And then it, then it says this. I love this. Because this was us. But those who hope in the Lord will be happy and pleased. Amen? So here's the contrast. Those that put their hope in the Lord or their trust in the Lord will be happy and pleased. Our help comes from the God of Jacob. You keep all your promises. You are the creator of heaven's glory, earth's grandeur, and ocean's greatness. Amen? And I was looking at that every day and just being reminded of God's greatness. Just when you're just looking at the ocean and the waves and just the, 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 the magnitude of who he is. Sometimes we just have to stop and pause and just... But, you know, I was looking at these two contrasts. We're not going to read the rest of that part because I just want to focus on the two. Don't put your hope in, in man. 
put your hope in God. You'll be happy and pleased if you do. And if you put it in man, you're not going to be happy and pleased. So this is what, and we started our holiday like that in the, in the hotel morning. That morning, we, we read this scripture, we prayed, and we committed it to God. We just said, God, we want to put our hope in you for this whole trip. Just surprise us. But, you know, oh, God must be really pleased with you because, you know, he did this and this and that. No, I'll tell you what I did. I said, God, I give you permission. Come into my life. Do what you want to do. I'm putting my hope in you, not in everything else around me. Sometimes we're like, because then even when we say that, oh, God must really be pleased with you. You're putting the onus on you. What, it's your goodness? No. Some of the most, uh, the people in the Bible that received the most humbled themselves the lowest, but they were the most sinful. We got the woman who was adulterous and, and, and washed Jesus' feet with her tears. She was a very sinful woman, but she went low, and she went for help where help was available. Amen? So I didn't, we didn't go in with confidence, you know, God, you know, we paid for this trip and this is what we got. We went in, we we're like, okay, God. And it, you know, the trip started, I hope you don't, mom, you don't mind sharing. Mom was praying the, the day before, a couple of days before, and she said, God just told me to bless you with $150. And Sheila and I were wanting to do some excursions. We like doing excursions, right? We, I know I looked like I was a beach bum the whole 11 days. I was, I was in the sun every day. But we did things, too. And we like doing excursions. So Sheila and I were thinking, okay, one excursion. We're, we're conservatives with ourselves. We don't go lavish. And it was like, we've done dolphins. We've done different things. We really like swimming with the dolphins. And so anyway, Mom says, I want to bless you with $150 towards, an ex towards something, whatever you want to do. And I told Mom, we're going to do an excursion with that because we, 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 we like doing them. And so... We come off the plane, we're coming in, and they've got their, you know, people flagging you down, you know, this is where you're supposed to go, where you're going to go. And we meet El Elliot. And Elliot says, come, come, come. And we're thinking, okay, this is our guy, right? We're supposed to go with him. And he starts talking to us. He says, okay, I, I can give you this excursion here, swimming with dolphins. Okay, normally it's about 150 U.S. to go per person to do this. And you get to swim with Flipper. It's amazing. You get to hug him and kiss him. And he even threw us, you know, we stood there like this on a boogie board, or boogie board and two dolphins came from behind us under our feet and pushed us and pushed you, you put to the point where you're out of the water, like marine land. We did it. And it was fun. So anyway, we wanted to do just one. We wanted to do one of those. Just, I can get you one of those for, I can do that for $60. And we're like, 60, like we've, 120 a couple, which normally was $300. We're like, this is a deal. So anyway, we're just talking to Elliot, just talking to you, know, tell, him, tell him what we're doing. You know, you get in conversation. He said, like, you know what? I'm going to do another one for you. And he said, what else do you want to do? We said, we really like snorkeling, but we don't like to do the whole party thing. We just want to go uh, do snorkeling and a, a nice excursion that way. So he's like, there's this one you can do, and I'm going to throw that in too. Didn't even add a price to it. So we're just we're like, great. We're just talking more and more. And he said, you know what? I'm going to throw in another one for you. We're like, 
How much? Oh, I'm just going to throw it in. Cirque du Soleil. Like Cirque du Soleil. The tickets alone for that were $205. We got special VIP front row seats show. $205 US per person. He threw the, that in. So we're like, the, the, the Mediterranean cruise was snorkeling, came with a five-course dinner at the end. It was a $265 US per person. Swimming with flipper, 155 each was the value of it, US per person. We got all three of them for 20 bucks each. $60 per person for all three. We could not have done all those things, nor would I have spent that much money on all those things. But God's like, happy are those who put their hope in me. God has a flawed system, or man has a flawed system. But God knows how to extract from a flawed system. Ask the, Egypt, the Egyptians when, they, when the Israelites fled. God was like, uh, we need some gold to build this temple. They're like, take it. They're like throwing it. By the time it was time for them to leave, they're like throwing piles of jewelry and gold and all this stuff they had saved up for, God used a flawed system of man, and he is able to extract from it. God's great. And, and he shifted my thinking on stuff because I saw it over and over and over again. We can look at the flaw in a system, or we can see how God can extract from that system because God has always used flawed humanity. And he's not moved by it. He's not moved by it. And so it doesn't end there. It keeps going and going, but I'm not going to get it go on and on. But anyway, we ended up going and getting another excursion. We ended up get, getting four-wheeling for free up in the jungle mountains. So we got to go four-wheeling after a rainstorm. So it's like mud bath. <laughs> Colin loved it. I hated it, but I, I endured it. It was just, wasn't that bad. God spared us because all the guys that were behind each other got sprayed. We were in front, the guy had the guide in front of us. So God was merciful to me. <laughs> and Sheila and Donna were in the back seats, Colin and I were in the front. I worked really, they were in the back. It's, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and the bus sprayed on them. <laughs> It was fun. But, you know, it was just the fact, that the thing, though, that I saw in all of it, because in one of the things, to get one of the excursions, you had to go to a little talk, right? And they try to sell you this and sell you that, and you say, no. No, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. You know, and, um, but in, in even one of the talks, one of, their, one, one of the girls just all of a sudden, see, when God's at the center of your life, It'll always come back to God, even in a talk. And it got back to God. And for some reason, we're on the topic of Colin, Donna Marie's marriage. They start testifying. She starts bawling. In her little talk, she starts bawling. And she's opening up about her marriage and about her struggles and about how she's fallen away from God. And, 
And then, and then another man was there. He's like the backup guy for her when she's losing it. And he's, and he, he starts, Jill starts ministering to him. And then the, the night later, God gives her a dream about him and a specific word. She goes back to him. And he's like, that's exactly where I'm at and what's going on. So God worked even in a, in, a, in a flawed system where they're trying to get money from you. We were giving them something back. God is bigger, and he's always got something more. But what are we doing? Are we putting our hope in him in the midst? And, and hope is not a hard thing to do. And hope is the, I always see hope and faith. Because people are like, what's the difference between hope and faith? It's like this. Hope is the chalkboard. Faith is the details that you write on the chalkboard. If you don't have hope, you have nothing to write it on. You, you have no basis for your faith. Faith, it, you have to have hope. Hope's the beginning. And yes, hope is broad and hope is, opens the door wide, but you have to have that hope in order for faith to start to work. And he's saying, just have hope in me and trust that I'm going to work in a flawed system. And I'm going to work on your behalf. Why? Because I'm good. And because my very nature is good, I'm going to do good things. Because that's what he does. Amen? And so Jesus is always, but this is what I saw, and I'm seeing this, that parallel, and I'm also seeing this where Jesus, I want us to go to it in um, Matthew, the one in Matthew 5, I think. I can't remember which one. We got in at quarter to five this morning. So I'm running on fumes. Okay, I had a little nap. And um, uh, which one was that one? No. Um, no, sorry, go to the other one, Matthew 22. Okay, so Jesus was God in the flesh, right? He was literally God manifested. And what God did is he took something that complicated because the law, the prophets, all of those things were very complicated and he brought it all in to one person. And he took something that was very complex and he made it simple. And he summed it up like this. It's so here the Pharisees, they prided and, and took pride in their doctrines and their knowledge and their understanding. And they you know, we're always digging deeper into the things of God. And, you know, sometimes in all of our Bible reading and everything, we have to watch that we're not, we're not approaching it like we want to get all this knowledge and be, have all this greatness uh, about knowing God. It's about pursuing him for who he is and allowing the scriptures to reveal him to you instead of you trying to find something. You know, sometimes we listen to give an answer. We don't listen to understand. Many times in life, when we're listening to people, catch yourself, but you'll realize most of the time we're listening to give an answer. We're not listening to understand. It's the same with the scriptures. We're listening to them. We're reading them to get the answer we want. Not to allow it to speak to us the truth of what is it is. 
and for God to reveal himself so that we understand him in his heart more. Amen? And so Jesus was here, and, and these guys are coming to him, and they're wanting to, to trap Jesus. Okay, so they're trying to trap God. Good luck, right? But they're like, it says, so one of them, a, a religious scholar, posed this question to him. He said, teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? Jesus answered him, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. You must love your neighbor, your friend or your neighbor in the same way you love yourself. And then he sums it up like this. He adds his one little sentence, his one finishing statement. Contained within these commands to love, you will find all the meaning, all the meaning of the law and the prophets. Another translation says, everything is held together by these two things. Loving God with all, with everything that's in you, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Those two things. He says, if you pursue God in this way, in everything that you do, you will fulfill every law and everything that the prophets have said. Because that was the end of what they were trying to get to. Was it was about relationship with God, relationship with one another. And all of those, us loving each other and loving God deeper and deeper and deeper. Amen? That's the end goal. That's the end. Uh, it's what holds everything together. And Jesus was like, this is it. This is it in a nutshell. But then he breaks it down and he goes, I'm going to take the top... I think four or five. We'll see how far we get today. But how many know that this has to look like something? It's vague when we say, oh, just love God and love one another. What's that mean? You hug and kiss each other more? What's it mean? We smile to at each other more? It's, it's different random things, but God spells it out in, in many different ways. And, and love, the love of God is, is a strong force but it's not a weak thing. It's powerful, and it's powerful. I'll share another contrast we had um, on, our, on our trip. We were on the beach. We were laying there just, you know, soaking up the sun. And you watch people walk by, right, because it's a big beach, and there's lots of people. And there was this, this, this gentleman who had fish, and he was limping. And I don't know how old he was. It's, they hold their age well. I mean, there were some, there was a one guy, he was 41, he looked 25. I mean, I was shocked when he, you know, said he's 41. But, and, but this guy was limping, and you could tell he had had a really hard life. You could just tell when you just looked at him, and that life was hard, but that, you know, he had these, this pile of fish. And most people on the beachfront are selling, some, selling something or peddling something. He was just walking, he was carrying his fish, wasn't doing anything with anyone, just, and, and Sheila ran up to him. I was going to run up to him if you didn't run up to him. And, and just told him, like, God loves you, and gave him, gave him money. And he was like, here, you want fish? And she's like, no, no, God loves you. And he just about cried just 
from that one little act of kindness. And it's those little things that, you know, you see these contrasts. You see all of this, you know, greed and all of this, you know, people. And then you see that it's such a pure, just hardworking, just honoring God with everything he can type of a person. And you see these contrasts, and God's there to help in those times, in those moments, in those places. And he wants to use you and me. Amen? In those times. But are we looking for, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in this? What are, what are you doing in this moment? What are you, what are you doing here? What, where are you working? What is it that you're doing? And Jesus, in, in this passage in Matthew 5, he begins to go, the whole passage is really powerful. I'm just extracting a certain portion here. But he's, he's showing us what love looks like, what loving God is like and what loving your neighbor is like in practical demonstration. Because sometimes we, we need to see these things because we just put everything in this vague sea of nothingness. And we don't really do anything with this great love that has been put inside of us. He says here, if you think I've come to set aside the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets, you're mistaken. I have come to fulfill and bring to perfection all that has been written. So again, people are like, oh, that was the law. You know, and there's that argument out there with different ones. Oh, that was the law that's been done away with. Jesus came in. No, Jesus didn't do away with the law. He came to fulfill it. He came to bring it to its perfection. And we're going to see this. He actually upped it. Because the law only dealt with the surface things on the outward actions, but it didn't deal with the heart. And Jesus comes back and he starts dinging our hearts and saying, no, this is what you, why I did it. He said, indeed, I assure you, as long as heaven and earth endure, not uh, one of the smallest details of the law will be done away with until its purpose is complete. So God's backing his word. So if you're doubting promises, you're doubting certain things that he's given you, God's like, no, every part of it is going to be fulfilled. Every promise is going to be completed. Amen? That gives me assurance because man will fail me. Mankind. Right? But God's promise endures and it outlasts mankind. Amen? So it doesn't matter how much we'll wrestle with it. If we're contending with that word and we're standing on that promise, God is faithful to his promise. He will fulfill it. So he says here, whoever violates even the least important of the commandments and teaches others to do so will be the least esteemed in the realm of heaven's kingdom. But whoever obeys them and teaches their truths to others will be greatly esteemed in the realm of heaven's kingdom. For I tell you, unless your lives are more pure and full of integrity than the religious scholars and the Pharisees, you will never experience the realm of heaven's kingdom. So you know what he's saying here? He's saying it doesn't matter how many verses you know. You can be brainiacs and knowledge scholars with all these dudes. But if you're not practicing what you're learning, you're, it's useless. 
it's useless. He says, you better have integrity and you better be living out what you're saying, what you do believe. They had all this knowledge, but they weren't doing half of it. They were allowing their knowledge to be their righteousness. And they were hiding behind that while they were doing other things. And God doesn't allow that. He will deal with that. He says, you're familiar with the command that the older generation was taught. Do not murder or you will be judged. But I'm telling you. So he's talking to the millennials. Okay? He's saying, this is what the old guys are saying. This is old school. But this is, these are the new millennials. And this is what I'm telling you now. He says, the, it was, do not murder or you'll be judged. But I'm telling you, if you hold anger in your heart toward a fellow believer, you are subject to judgment. And whoever de demeans and insults a fellow believer is answerable to the congregation. And whoever calls down curses upon a fellow believer is in danger of being sent to a fiery hell. Wow. That's gracious, loving Jesus. Gracious, loving Jesus is showing us how powerful hatred is in our heart. He's getting to the, the heart of the matter. He's saying you can do all the outward things, but if your heart's still contending with that, it's worse. He says, so then if you're presenting a gift before the altar in the temple, and suddenly you remember a quarrel you have with a fellow believer. So he's bringing it down into a practical application. Anyone had a quarrel or a fight? Okay. Two or three. <laughs> Where there are people, there will be quarrels. Right? There will be disagreements. So he's, he's bringing it down into our world. And he's saying here, um, he says here, so then, if you're presenting a gift before the altar, so it's a very holy moment. Oh, I'm coming to holy God, and I'm presenting my altar, you know, my gift on the altar. He's, 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 he's laying the picture out here. But he says, and suddenly, you remember a quarrel you have with a fellow believer. How many of you have had one of those moments? <laughs> you're like... <laughs> He says, leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once to apologize with the one who is offended. Then after you have reconciled, come to the altar and present your gift. So here again, he's saying, look, it's about your heart. He's saying, it's, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're flawed. We're going to become, but can we apologize? Can we allow repentance to come? Can we get that right first before we do the other instead of thinking our gift on the altar covers everything? Right? I'll just give more money in the plate. Come on. That's what we do. I'll just serve in more, more ways within the church. He's like, no, that's not what it is. It's deal with the, what's in your heart. Then pre present your gift. Amen? It's always better to come to terms with the one who wants to sue you before you go to trial. Or you may be found guilty by the judge. And he will hand you over to the officers who will throw you into prison. 
Believe me, you won't get out of prison until you have paid the full amount. So he's basically saying, if you're falling in the hands of men, it's going to be worse. Come to a merciful God. Amen? How many, we can remember that. It's a good reminder for us. This is love. This is asking for help the right way. Adultery. Your ancestors, ancestors have been taught, never commit adultery. However, I say to you, if you look with lust in your eyes at the body of a woman who is not your wife, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So again, he ups it to, it's a heart issue. It's not about the outward act. It's about what's going on in your heart. If your right eye seduces you to fall into sin, then go blind in your right eye. For you're better off losing sight in one eye than to have your whole body thrown into hell. So he's saying here, deal with this while it's small. It's just in your eye. Deal with it. Get it out of there while it's still small. Don't let it become this huge thing. And you know, it's so challenging in our culture with everything so accessible to the eyes. You know, back in the day, it used to be a lot of work. You know, you had to go and try to find this stuff. You know, it was either in a magazine or you had to go, it was more work. This is just a flick of a button. It's just blasted all over the place. But he's saying, make a covenant with your eyes. You know, uh, one uh, teaching I'd heard on this, and it's a good, good uh, it's a one-bounce rule. Because our eyes bounce. I mean, you know, you walk in a room, or you go anywhere, your eyes are bouncing, right? And you can't avoid that, Billboard. You can't avoid that. There's, that's a bounce, right? But it's one bounce, and you move. If it's bounce, 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 bounce. The one bounce rule. You know, flee it as soon as it bounces. No. Because it's, where it's around us. We can't avoid some of the stuff. And that one bounce rule. The, the, it, you know, the birds fly over us, but we can stop them from making a nest on our head. Right? They're out there. And Jesus is saying here, look, it's better for you to just even cut out your eye. Deal with it while it's smaller. And if your right hand enticed you to sin, let it go limp and useless, for you're better off losing a part of your body than to have it all thrown into hell. It has been said, whoever divorces his wife must give her legal divorce papers. However, I say to you, if anyone divorces his wife for any reason except for infidelity, he causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Now, I don't want to get into the, all of this one because there's a whole teaching on it. But basically, Jesus is saying, look, here, divorce is not good. It, it, it destroys people. And, and God wants to restore in every case where he can. And, and there are times. It's not the unforgivable sin. God can work and can. But you need to allow a process where God can heal and restore and, and he doesn't treat it lightly. And you can't just move on onto the next one. 
You need to allow that healing for that one relationship because whatever you don't get healed from in one relationship, you bring to the next. Amen? And Jesus doesn't want those scars and pains and all of those things to be carried and to be brought in again. He wants you to come out of that and to come into a new life. And then we have, you know, an amazing testimony here of Donna Marie and Colin, you know, divorced for 12 years and then remarried. That can happen. It can happen. Does it, does it always happen? No, it doesn't. And no shame if it doesn't. Because God works in different ways and situations. But don't treat divorce lightly. And if you've been through it, allow God to work that out of you so that you're not bringing that into anything else and any other relationship in the future. Making oaths, again, your ancestors were taught never swear an oath that you don't intend to keep. Steve was talking about it today. But keep your vows to the Lord God, to the Lord your God. However, I say to you, don't bind yourself by taking an oath at all. Don't swear by heaven, for heaven is where God's throne is placed. Don't swear an oath by the earth because it's the rug under God's feet and not by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. And why would you swear by your own head because it's, it's not in your power to turn a single hair white or black? But just let your words ring true. A simple yes or no will suffice. Anything beyond this springs from the deceiver. So, again, this is where he's, he's dealing with us in terms of, we want validation here, we want validation here, and, and this, and it's like he's saying, no, just be truthful to who you are. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. We really have to guard against, in our culture, right? this, this is what bugs me, this is the human element on vacation. And... Uh, Everywhere you go, everyone's in front of you. <laughs> or, you know, someone's posing for me. And they're like, I'm having so much fun. It's like, have fun. I don't really care about seeing a picture of it. Have fun. And they're taking all these pictures like they're having fun, and then they'll go away, and they're going on to the next thing. It's like... So I told everyone I had fun at the beach. No, you didn't. That's fake fun. And you got everyone, oh, you had so much fun. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Validation, validation. And all of it is is deception. He's saying, get out of all of that. Such yes, BS. That's what I love about little kids. They're honest. You know, Lila looks at my head today when we were over here praying. Papa, your head's all red. You've got a big freckle on it. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> okay. Like, they're just going to tell you like it is. And, and we don't want to lose that. There's ways that we can be kind and truthful. <laughs> My wife is much better at this than me. I am still in learning process. <laughs> <But> <laughs> anyway. 
God's working with all of us. But there's a way to say our yes, because yes can be a very anointed word, but also no can be a very anointed word. And sometimes you, you need to say no to some things, as good as they are, and just let it be no, and just let it be yes. Amen? Jesus frees us from all the other stuff. He says, your ancestors have also been taught, take an eye in exchange for an eye and a tooth in exchange for a tooth. However, I say to you, don't repay an evil act with another evil act. But whoever insults you by slapping you in the right cheek, turn the other to him as well. Wow. If someone is determined to sue you for your coat, give him the shirt off your back as a gift in return. See, here we see, again, two systems. We see man's system, even Stephen. How many know that? You pat my back, I pat yours. Come on. Oh, I, I don't know if I'm going to move them. They've never, they've never helped me move. <laughs> I know no one's thought of that. Yes, yeah, several of you have helped me move several times. And I've helped many move, too. But I'm not doing it out of that motivation. Oh, they've really helped me move, so I better help them move. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? Flawed. It's a flawed system. It's man-made. It's flawed at its best. God's like, you want to step into a realm that I live in? You will never exhaust my goodness. Just let them do bad stuff to you and keep being good to them. And guess what? You're going to come out better on the other side. And so are they. Because I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. He says here, you should, and should people in authority take advantage of you, of you do more than what they demand. Wow. See, putting your hope in God is living different. Because this is where the rubber hits the road. We never really experience God's goodness in this way because we hit that pause button. We're like, no, I'm not doing it. Why should I do? They, they didn't do this. And they didn't. It's like, do more. God will meet you there, and you will be happy, and you will be blessed. Happy are those who put their hope in him. Does that mean they got the best circumstances? Not all the time. But in the midst of that circumstance, they're much happier. Because if we're honest with ourselves, selfish little old you and me, when we're in our selfish moments, how happy are we? And we even got the better end of the deal. Yet we're not happy. Why? Because God ain't there with you. He's not there with us. He's in those moments where he's asked us to do this and step up to the plate. I love this one saying, the world's pleasure leads to pain. Many times the easy road, it is easier, but in the end it leads to pain. But God's pain leads to pleasure. God many times asks us to do the things that are painful, but it always leads to pleasure. Always, always. It's always life-giving. 
He says, learn to generously share what you have with those who ask for help. And don't close your heart to the one who comes to borrow from you. In other words, looking out for those that are down and out. Having an open heart to allow God to work through you in those situations. And then we're going to end with this one. Your ancestors have also been taught, love your neighbors and hate the ones who hate the one who hates you. However, I say to you, love your enemy, bless the one who curses you. Do something wonderful for the one who hates you. And respond to the very ones who persecute you by praying for them. You know, that's the greatest thing we can do with those who have hurt us. And I this is where the process starts, is you pray for them. You forgive them. And forgiveness is not a feeling. It's an act. It's an act of obedience. And it, many times you don't feel like you forgave, but you've made a choice. It's a choice. I forgive. I'm not going to hold that against that person. They don't deserve it, but none of us deserved it. Amen? God gave us forgiveness freely. And then we pray for that person. We ask God to work in their life. We ask God, and you know what happens when we do that? God begins to change our heart, and he begins to work in their lives. It just, it's how God works. It's how God works. It's how God works. And Jesus is like, look, you want to open up into the realm where I'm working? Not where man's working. Because where man is working, there's all this fighting and bickering and unforgiveness and you, you, you scratch my back I scratch yours and oh that wasn't even you should have done this and, and it's all this and, and the kingdom of God he's saying no it's a generous people that are giving and loving and sharing and are giving life and are ministering and allowing God's goodness to flow through them amen so he says here um, he says for that will reveal Verse 45, your identity as children of your heavenly father. He is kind to all by bringing the sunrise to warm and rainfall to refresh whether a person does what is good or evil. Isn't that true? Good people and bad people, they're enjoying the sunset. They're enjoying the sunrise. They're enjoying all of these things, all of God's goodness, whether they're evil or whether they're good. What reward do you deserve if you only love the lovable? Don't even the tax collectors do that? And Jesus, like, that's a, you know, tax collectors were like not good people in his day. And he basically was like jabbing them with it. Look, even these guys. They do that. Don't pat yourself on the back. I'm doing good, right? No, you're not. We're not. He says, how are you any different from others if you limit your kindness only to your friends? Amen? Let's not limit our kindness. Let's let our circle of kindness expand. Let's allow the Spirit of God to show us those around us. And they're, they're all around us in every moment. 
And let's allow God's kindness to come out of us in situations. I love um, what my pastor friend, uh, Pastor Kevin, uh, from Hope City Church says. He says, always leave margin uh, in, in, in your time. Because if you leave margin, then you have, not margarine, margin, okay? <laughs> it allows God to work and so that you can pause in the situation because you've allowed margin. So if something you need 15 minutes to get there, allow 20 minutes. You've got that extra five minutes. He says, because so many times we're just rush, 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 that we're missing those moments where God might want us to stop and to minister. If we allow margin, we can do that. And everyone's like, oh, I got to get there. You know, and they're speeding that extra 15, 20, you know, miles an hour to be able to get there, what, three minutes faster. Why? Because I'm so important. My time is so important. Right? That's what we think. It's like, you're not that important. None of us are. If you like speeding just because it's fun, that's different. Okay? I still get the ticket, but sometimes it just is fun. <laughs> it's not right, but it's fun. Okay, I think I'm done. <laughs> I got the... <laughs> Unless you're four-wheeling in the jungle. <laughs> so, he says here, and this is what we'll end, we'll end with. He says, since you are children of a perfect father in heaven, you are to be perfect like him. And you know, he's not expecting you to be perfect, but he's bringing you into that perfection. Like a good father, he will not leave us where we are at. He is continually bringing us into that perfection. Amen? He's a good, good father, isn't he? He's so awesome. And so when he asks us to do these things, we're always like... Oh, man, he's making, he's taking this. No, he's actually trying to give us something. Something that this world can't give. Something far greater than this world has. But we have to step into it. We have to choose to forgive those that don't deserve it. We have to look for those that can't give back to us many times. I mean, how many times are we giving to situations because, well, that person can give back to me eventually. Right? Or we're getting something from it because they're our friend. We're comfortable with them. We have to step in situations where we're not comfortable. Where God wants to minister in greater ways. And touch hearts in different ways. It requires us many times to just step out of that, that comfort. But then God brings us into another realm where his help brings us into a place of happiness and blessing that we've not seen before but we have to step past that. Amen? So how many want to allow God to... And it starts with this. Loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. Giving all of Him yourself. That's where He can begin to fill you. Then from there, you begin to love others as He's loved you. Amen? Because that's the only way we can truly give something 
is when we've received it. Freely we've received, freely we give. So I want to encourage you this week, let's take that time. Let's take that time. If we can have the worship team. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc.